Bad music means only one thing, and it's time for your Miami Sports Podcast. Will Manso, the producer on the one-twos, Clay Ferrero. Just ones and twos, though. If you go beyond that, I'm toast. <laughs> I can't do any more than that. I, I'm trying. Uh, bear with me today. If the audio is off, I'm doing this by myself for the first time. So I, I think that Will is going to intentionally like uh, go really, really loud and then really, really uh, yeah. quiet just to see my head explode yeah, while exactly. we're doing this thing. We're going to have a nice podcast tonight. Wait, Turn up the wait, volume. Hold on. we got to yeah, do this do, thing over again. That's uh, – uh, as you can tell, Dookie Lane, because he would have already uh, derailed the podcast, is not on the podcast today. He's enjoying some time off before the start of football season. So Clay holds the responsibility of not only being one of the hosts, but uh, producing the podcast. So that that you're earning your big bucks today. When I'll run it into the ground just like he does. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, You have to say something really dumb early and derail everything we're talking about. You know, I went to 7-Eleven this morning. Do you ever go in looking for just a Slurpee and then the beef jerky just starts calling that, to you? A, and that, that's just... a dookie leg. That, that, that is a dookie leg. By the way, our sponsor today, Vera Motors, when you spend your hard-earned money on a car, go to a place with a reputation, and I promise you there's no business in the state of Florida with a better reputation than Vera Motors. Vera Cadillac, Buick, GMC, Pembroke Pines, the Vera family has been serving South Florida for 60 years for the best deal in South Florida, the best service Vera Cadillac Buick GMC, Vera Cadillac, Cadillac Buick GMC, 300 South University Drive, three miles north of the stadium, Pembroke Pines. All right, so Clay, we, uh, you and I on this pod without Dookie derailing it are going to try to keep it focused. And yet when I say that, there is so much to talk about. There is no focus. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are going to discuss what has happened with the heat news of late, which, of course, the news this, you know, the last week or so was the movement of Kawhi uh, and DeMar DeRozan, the rumors of of a big offer to Dwayne Wade in China. Uh, Dwayne is now on his way back from China. Last we checked, remember, we taped this podcast on a Sunday evening, release it on a Monday. So as you listen to this throughout the week, things could change on the Dwayne situation. But we'll talk about how you and I are in agreement on Dwayne uh, if he comes back to play basketball to be in Miami. So we'll get into that. We'll also, uh, you know, we want to say something now and again, not that we want to make the podcast a Debbie Downer, but we have to mention the fact that uh, the death of Tony Sperano on Sunday, and uh, we'll share some stories of, of Sperano. And I think it, the most interesting story, and the story I think anybody thinks of Sperano, when you think of an on, on-field thing, you think of the Wildcat, and you think of that game against the Patriots, which really put Sperano and the Dolphins on the map. They went on to win 11 games and the excitement of that season. That was, to this day, crazy to say, Clay, that I, I've been covering the Dolphins now for almost, I think it's my 20th season that it's about to begin of covering the Dolphins. And that was the most fun I've ever had. Uh, my first year Dan Marino played, that was the year they lost to Jacksonville 62-7 in the playoffs. Uh, then after that, there had been, what, like three playoff appearances or whatever, it's been three or four, you know, after the first one or two. Uh, and that Sperano year was just incredible. That's funny. Wait a minute. So you came here and the Dolphins lost 62-7 to in the playoffs. I come here and LeBron leaves. Oh, wow. We, we are the kiss of death. <laughs> I think we are the kiss of All good of eras death. come to an end when we enter... <laughs> You know what I think is interesting? You're not the first person to tell me that today, that the best memory that you have of covering Dolphins football is that game. And that win over the Patriots where the Wildcat came out. And keep in mind that in the social media generation, you have a lot of people that are you know early to mid-20s, late-20s, that didn't necessarily follow football that closely back during the heyday of Dan Marino. So mm-hmm. when you talk to them about Dolphins football, their memories don't include Dan Marino going out there with a the rocket arm. It's, it's a lot of futility and a lot of disappointment. So it's I'm true. going through there, and a lot of people, it was, it was person after person, 
person saying that game was the most fun I have ever had following the Miami Dolphins. Well, I think it was the most unexpected fun because you know, here they are, you know, playing the Patriots and Belichick and all this stuff. And Sperano's a, a new coach and it, does he know what he's doing? And, you know, beating the Patriots wasn't the story. I mean, yeah, destroying the Patriots as they did that day is, is, is a good storyline. It's the way they did it with that wildcat. No one saw it coming. And it's funny now in this day and age of social media was obviously around then and Twitter was kind of in infant stages. It, it, it was just starting, if I'm not mistaken, right? Twitter mm -hmm. right around that time. So there wasn't this constant chatter that we always have now about plays and what a team is doing. And it, it just came out of nowhere. And we were all, anyone who was watching is just sitting there going, what the hell is going on? What, what are they doing? We, okay, it worked. Wait, they're going to keep doing it? Wait, they're going to keep and keep and keep and it keeps working and Belichick can't figure it out and, and the Dolphins just keep scoring and scoring and scoring. It was an incredible game. And again, it was all part of an incredible season, which made it more fun. Now, I, I, you notice I said off, on the field, off the field. And I told you the story before we started the pod, and it's, I always think about it whenever a, a news conference goes a little odd and it, and it takes a bizarre twist on any sport, was when Stephen Ross threw together a roundtable. And for those that aren't familiar, Stephen Ross threw together a roundtable discussion when in his pursuit of Jim Harbaugh, which he later said he wasn't really trying to hire Jim Harbaugh, but yet he took a plane to go see him and to get him and, 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 and potentially offer him the job uh, with Jeff Ireland, who was general manager at the time. Stephen Ross decides he's going to throw together a news conference because obviously Harbaugh doesn't come. It is a national story that he basically is backstabbing his head coach and basically looking for his replacement before even firing him. And he sits Sperano down on one side, Jeff Ireland on another, and literally a roundtable, invites a few media members to go. So there's maybe, I don't know, maybe 10 or 12 of us in the media, of uh, four or five cameras set up couple other people from the Dolphins organization standing in the background. That's how small the room was. They had to stand in the background. And Stephen Ross basically had to go up there and say, Tony, I, I wasn't going to fire you. Here's what happened. But I handled it poorly. I'm sorry. And by the way, here's a two-year contract extension and a raise. And Jeff Ireland had this, this saying, Tony's our guy. We love him. And the entire time, Tony had this look on his face. was like, I, I want to punch somebody. <laughs> but I'm got a raise and I got an extension so I'm going to kind of bite my tongue on this one but he did say Clay I'll never forget it he said he's like the communication part of this could have been a little bit better <laughs> truer words were never spoken I love the way uh, when we were talking about this off air you were telling me how uh, first you had Stephen Ross uh, go on this this long discussion about what happened what went wrong Jeff Ireland going on a long discussion about how they have confidence in Tony Sperano. And then Tony Sperano is basically sitting there with his hands folded. Once it was all do done, he just looks over and goes, yeah, we're good. We're good. And yeah, that was it. it. Sperano, who was never, by the way, he was never big on outside football stuff. He was always, he, he wasn't going to get into that kind of stuff. Right. He, not that he wasn't good with the media. He was great with the media, but he was a football guy. And that's the one thing you can always say Sperano. He was, his players loved him. He was a people person, but he was a true football in that Parcells mode football breathe love that was his life and and you know that day was so awkward and it was part of kind of you look at it now it's kind of like the the beginning of the dysfunction with Stephen Ross you know you, you had the orange carpet do you remember that the orange carpet oh, where yeah, they you know, bringing out all the celebrities absolutely. and stuff everybody hated that it kind of went away unfortunately now all these years later now we're getting into the whole anthem policy and how he doesn't you know what what's the decision there uh, obviously the Dolphins kind of got I guess for lack of a better term they kind of got screwed this week by the NFL but let's face it 
like Tish did with the Giants and other people, other organizations have done, Stephen Ross could have just come out and said, look, we're not finding our players. We're yep. not suspending our players. And he didn't. So, uh, but back to Sperano, you know, our thoughts and prayers with his family. Tony was a really good guy who, who, who again, as we just said, had the most entertaining Dolphin season in a very long time. He was the head coach, and that's something to be remembered for, and uh, it's, it was pretty shocking around the league's death. The thing that strikes me uh, about the outpourings, it, it, the word genuine comes to mind. because It's not just people here in South Florida talking about Tony Sperone. Obviously, he had a long coaching career a, a number of places and, and was actually still coaching in Minnesota. He was still yeah, an offensive yeah, yeah. line uh, coach. A very good team. And, uh, but seeing person after person, former players saw a statement from Sean Payton, the head coach mm-hmm. of the Saints, and a, a number of people who knew him very well. I, I think in this era where, where people can be really, really cynical and, and kind of feel like what you see is not necessarily what you get with people at times, mm-hmm. Tony Sperano was the exact opposite. You never had to worry about yeah. what is the agenda here because he would tell you what the agenda was right up front. And, and I think there was something very refreshing about that. And people just uh, appreciated that from his players to fellow coaches. They, did, they never had to, to wonder what was going on behind the scenes. Now, he was a likable guy, a well-respected guy, and again, his death kind of sent shockwaves for the NFL. So uh, as the Dolphins and all the organizations in the league, our thoughts and prayers for his family, a really sudden situation. Uh, but a good memory there, I think the Wildcat is something people will not forget. And that news conference, yeah, I think Stephen Ross would like to forget it. So uh, we are also going to talk a little MLS. Jorge Moss was kind enough to come on uh, this week in South Florida. We're going to Millburg this weekend and Michael Putney and discuss the soccer situation. With this week, uh, a little bit of a resolution, you know, in the last week or so, Clay, as to what happened and the next step getting it on the ballot. It's a big move. So, again, these are all little things we'll kind of kind of delve in. But let's start with, I think, the Heat and the NBA because the NBA, as we're learning in this offseason, it, it is as exciting as most seasons in any sport. The offseason is as exciting. And there may be even more drama because once the season starts, everybody knows the Warriors are going to probably win it all, right? Mm-hmm. There's a little discussion there. It's just a question who they beat in the finals. This, though, the movement in the league is always the fun thing. Let's start with this report out of China that it doesn't surprise me, by the way, that a team would go out there and give a mega offer, whatever that is, a big offer. I mean, a big offer in China could be a $5 million contract. It could be what like the mid-level is here. Uh, players in China, even American players that have a success in the NBA, don't make that much money in China. Obviously, to the everyday person, but I'm talking about $10, $15, 20000000 million deals. That doesn't exist. I don't know if that's the kind of deal they're talking about, but... Do you buy this? Well, I don't want to. I, I don't want to butcher this. Uh, I, I want to make sure I'm getting this right. So forgive me if I'm not. But I, I believe Jimmer Fredette was the MVP of this this league, where a team existed is going to offer Wade this this monster contract. Apparently, he's making 1.8 million a year. Yeah. So that kind of like he's not Dwayne Wade, and I can see how right. given his look. I remember, and I told you the story as well. I remember being uh, when the Big Three played the Clippers in exhibition games in China. They they called them the China Games. We went uh, as a station and covered it, and I was there. And, and I mean, I'll never forget being at when he signed his shoe deal with Li Ning. They had him, like, come out on this stage, lifted almost like a spaceship, and Wade came out with Li Ning, and there was hundreds of media members snapping pictures and video. And it was just, you know, this huge amount of people. It was such a huge deal. And it, that's when it hit me that, holy cow, Dwayne Wade is a icon superstar in this country like I didn't even expect. I mean, it, it's amazing. And at that point, I remember thinking to myself, man, if Dwayne ever wants to play in China, he could probably run for office here. Or he, can probably, he can do whatever he wants in this yeah. country. I mean, he could probably, be, you know, come over here and live the best life ever. Now, 
I don't see Dwayne with his competitive spirit and the way he is and, and coming off a really strong finish to his return to the Heat, given how badly the Heat need him, given how the NBA landscape is now. And let's face it, he just, two things, Clay, and I think you'll agree with me. He just signed this big deal with Lee Ming. I don't think you sign a big deal like that and just kind of get away from the NBA. Your main exposure is if you're in the NBA. I know in China he'd get exposure there, but as far as being really on the map, you, you stay in the NBA another year, you're still the focus and you still have the attention. Number two is his son is a really good young high school player, uh, and I just can't see him just saying, like, hey, I'm Zaire, I'm going to move to China. Uh, I know you got a nice little thing going. I'll, I'll FaceTime you. Like, I just don't I don't see how that is. that dynamic would work. Dwayne is way too much involved, loves his family time too much and his children. And, again, I think he loves playing in the NBA. Does that mean one day he wouldn't go to China? Maybe. I just don't think now's the time. No, I, I think Zaire is probably the number one reason why he would stay in the U.S. and, and play in the NBA. Number Mostly because he can still play. I mean, let's get that out there. The fact is he – during He's competitive, yeah. Yeah, during the playoffs down the stretch of the season last year, he was the best player on the Heat. So there's no doubt that he can still play this game and play it at a, at a high level for certain stretches – I think, though, all right, let's just say hypothetically that a team in China comes and says, Dwayne, we're going to offer you $50 million a year, uh, plus we're going to give you even more on top that's, of your, your current story, lifetime. Yeah. Even if all of that is said, I still think he would look at this and say, my priority right now is, man, I, I want to see this through with, with my kids, and, and especially Zaire being as close as he is right now to getting into college, playing college ball, and, and potentially making a name for himself. I think he really wants to, to see that through. And, all right, if, if there were some world in which – I don't pretend to know what high school basketball is like in China, but if there were some world in which it, the competition level was similar to the U.S., then okay, maybe. Or, hey, if this team wanted to sign Zaire as well, and that was how he was going to – I couldn't see it like a LeVar Ball situation. Yeah, I, just I, I, like, I mean – I just couldn't see that. No, and, and that's what – it's just it, – it's not feasible to me, and no. I, I think that there are a number of reasons why one day he may do it, and every everything that you just said makes all the sense in the world if he wants to go over there in his, in his early to mid-40s and go, quote, live his best life for a little while, mm -hmm. since they love him over there, but... I don't think it's the time for family reasons, for uh, competitiveness Basketball reasons. reasons. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and by the way, I remember the story I told was Dwayne Wade from what? That was five years ago, five, six years ago, I think it was when we were there. Uh, Dwayne Wade's as popular as ever. So this, what I, my point is, Dwayne Wade's popularity in China and the interest of the people in China, this is why Li Ning signed up to a lifetime contract. Mm -hmm. It's not going anywhere. People love Dwayne. So if in a couple of years, Dwayne is ready to hang it up or Dwayne says, hey, I'm now, you know, Zaire is older, he's, he's 18, whatever, I'm going to go over there and play a year. That's different. I could see that. But I think, Clay, too, everything that's given it's, what's happened in the NBA this offseason, look, it's funny. It's almost like, I, I hate to say this, but when we started talking on this pod about the heat offseason, right? Right after the season ended, right? LeBron, you know, <laughs> Kawhi, monster trades, you know, flipping players and, and getting and moving assets and, and rebuilding this team as log jam. Now it's just like make a move. Just bring Dwayne just back. do something. <laughs> just just, just back. come back, Dwayne, and save us. It is amazing. And, it, and and part of it falls in the heat, obviously. And I think Pat Riley would admit as much. I mean you, you sign these contracts, you have to take you have to take the heat with it. You know, Pat signed these guys to long term deals, Dion and JJ uh, Kelly Olynyk, it obviously changed their flexibility for this offseason and, and money available. 
But I think more than anything is the NBA has changed and where guys can go and how they dictate, it's put the Heat in a bind where I don't now I'm not as confident that the Heat are gonna make a move to clear up this logjam. There's still room for it to happen, Clay, but I, I don't know how it happens. Let's go to that Kawhi for DeMar DeRozan trade for a second because it reminded me a lot of the Kyrie Irving for Isaiah Thomas trade last year, where you remember how Kyrie had a list of four teams. It mm. was it was San Antonio, it was New York. It was the Heat. Can't remember who the other team was, but the Heat were, were the fourth team on that list of places where he wanted to go. And we were all sitting here like, I, I, don't, I don't care if there's, a, there's bad blood between Miami and Cleveland. Find a way to make this happen. Yeah. Got to do it, got to do it, got to do it. And then you're wondering why they're not doing anything, and all of a sudden the trade comes down. Isaiah Thomas and the Brooklyn pick for Kyrie Irving. And and you look at it and you're like, oh. That's, okay. yeah, how do you compete right. with that? Well, he could. And I felt the same way with the Kawhi Leonard situation where you're looking at this thing and you're hearing the offers that, okay, well, Philadelphia didn't want to include uh, Simmons, Embiid, or Markel yeah. Fultz. Yeah. Um, and, and L.A. didn't want to include Brandon Ingram. I, there were a number of teams that were holding back their best players, their best assets, in order to make try to make this deal happen. You're sitting there like, why aren't the Heat getting in on this, man? Come on, let's, let's, let's move. Let's see what we can get. Who cares if it's just a one year? Bring him here. And then maybe you'll want to say... Then they trade DeMar DeRozan for him. And it's like, oh, okay. So you got that 2025-plus point-a-game score. Mm. Um, All-NBA type guy. All-star. All so they just didn't didn't have what it took to match up with what Toronto was offering. And, again, I, I know opinions differ wildly. I happen to be a big DeMar DeRozan fan. I, I don't really care that he supposedly struggles in the play. I don't think it's a matter of him wilting under the pressure or anything. Bottom line, this is an all-NBA caliber player, an all-star, mm -hmm. and it's something that the Spurs would not have gotten otherwise. And this reminded me a lot of the Kyrie for Isaiah Thomas trade last year where once it was made, you were like, okay, the Heat just didn't have anything that it took to match up. Yeah, and another thing, too, is to your point, there were also reports that the Heat didn't want to give their assets. Now, their assets aren't as valuable as Fultz and Simmons and Embiid and even Ingram, actually, if you think about it. But there are plenty of reports out there that the Heat didn't want to throw in a combination of Bam and Justice and Jay Rich and these guys that it would have taken. It would, And the thing is, because those guys aren't a quote-unquote superstar in the making, those are all very good NBA players that could be a very long careers and successful careers, but none of them are like an Embiid or Simmons or Ingram that, you're, that are seen as potential superstars in the league. So you probably would have had to package those guys, not just include one of them. Mm -hmm. uh, and that, the Heat apparently just didn't want to do. And you understand why. You and I have discussed it as well in the pod. Why? Because you don't know if you have Kawhi. You take that chance. You take the OKC Paul George chance. Hope he stays. But if he doesn't, you lose assets and all that other stuff. I will say this. Toronto was wise in a sense. They give up DeMar DeRozan. But this team wasn't going anywhere and hasn't been going anywhere. You, you take a chance, you can get Kawhi to stay. The chances of him staying are probably, I don't even, I don't know if they're worse than, than Paul George because Paul George was in the same situation. He wanted to be in L.A. and it wasn't a secret. But given that, that Toronto is just that spot where I just couldn't see Kawhi resigning, it's not the worst thing of taking a shot with Kawhi this year in a very competitive Eastern Conference where you know you're going to be one of the better teams. And if he goes then just okay. You got the salary cap space and you got the room to rebuild. And it's not a bad thing in the NBA, especially a place like Toronto, which is not always going to attract the free agents. And you got to kind of build from within. It's not the worst thing to have that space to build certain players, to get guys, to certain guys to come, maybe not the superstar, and kind of build the way they did to the draft before. Uh, I, don't, I, I like the trade for both teams. I did. I, I, I agree. And, and I think that now, with that said, apparently it doesn't, doesn't – 
mix very well. Um, uh, having DeMar DeRozan and LaMarcus Aldridge, guys who play the mid-range game. and, and yeah. But if anybody can figure that out, it's Bobovich, Pop, I right? So I, I think that'll work out fine. Toronto all of a sudden, well, I mean, I'm looking at the Eastern Conference, and I, I'm really high on Boston. Understand that. Toronto's going to challenge them, man. You talk about a, a great defensive team now, adding the best defensive wing player in the NBA, uh, assuming he's healthy. I mean, their defense just got a lot better. He's also a really good scorer. I mean, he went 50-40-90. He was on the verge of 50-40-90. So, I, I mean, I don't – Toronto all of a sudden right now, you got to say that after Boston, they have as good of a shot of anybody as, as making it out of the East. So uh, If you get that Kawhi. If you yeah, get that Kawhi. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I think it worked out well for everyone. Back to the Heat. I think what I overestimated was perhaps the urgency that, that Pat Riley would attack this with. I, I think he probably looked at this, and, and looking at it now, he's probably right in being patient with this thing. Hassan Whiteside's value is never going to be lower. Mm-hmm. It's never going to be harder to trade Tyler Johnson because he's got two bad years left on the contract, uh, money-wise. Your first-round pick in 2019 will be a lot more valuable the closer you get to the draft, yeah. assuming you're not a lottery team, uh, or assuming, uh, assuming that you don't end up uh, high in the playoffs. And, mm-hmm. and you know if you're a lottery team, your, your pick will be more valuable. And then you get a better idea at that point, okay, do we really have some interest coming from a Jimmy Butler? Are any of these 2019 guys really interested to where, all right, maybe now we shuffle out some of these, these bad contracts? It, Riley looked at this and didn't just say, I need to get rid of the money so badly uh, to have the space available. He's saying, all right, let's look at 2019. Let's see if that, if when that time comes, we have guys who are interested in taking the money that would potentially be yeah. available, then we'll free it up. But until then, let's wait until some of these guys, their value goes up just a little bit. Maybe we can get more in return for them. And let's face it. Look, a lot of the guys that are going to be available the next couple of years are you know the Jimmy Butlers, the the Kawhis, the Kyrie Irvings, the the names that we've mentioned and the names that will be available, they're not locked down anywhere. So it's not like if the Heat don't make a move now that they're out for those guys later. Right. I mean they're going to have a, a a chance in the next two years to make and swing some moves. Now they're going to have to get creative. There's no doubt about it with the way they make moves uh, in not only trading players and assets and moving guys around, but then to have the money available to sign guys to max contracts, sign a player to a max contract. Those are things that don't necessarily have to happen this offseason, I guess, is what I'm saying. Yep. But I think given the the idea that there was a logjam and there is a logjam in this roster, given the idea that getting Deion Waiters back is great, sure, a full season of Dwayne Wade, but you're still going to have that massive logjam. You're still going to have a center situation. Like, how is Spo going to deal with yep. Hassan keeping him happy and focused and energized with Bam's development and then Kelly's unique game as a big man? James Johnson as a power guy who can also in small wall play the five you know you have all these dynamics that go into play it only makes Spo's job harder again in the east I could see a healthy heat team with Dion back and Dwayne a full year and hopefully Hassan getting his head on straight could probably be a four or five seed right I don't think that's an unfair expectation but that's really where you look at it is okay that's probably the the high range right the low range is this team probably being a team like last year that's battling anywhere from six seven eight you know that kind of team, which I think doesn't excite fans. Like, oh gosh, another 43-44 win season where we get a seven seed and we lose in the first round. That's not exciting the fans. Now again, there's that little variance there, of, of, but you, you felt that maybe a move can swing that more toward the front. It still could happen. I'm not saying the offseason is over. And again, when it comes down to it, the real eyes on the prize type thing here for the Heat is, 
just keep yourself flexible for a couple of years. You know the Warriors are the team that, that's going to run with this thing for the next couple of years. Keep yourself in the mix to pounce and make a move when you can get that star. Pat Riley made some mistakes, and and I, I know no. that uh, looking back, he's he's been great over his career. There's no doubt that he would like to go back to when he signed the big three and and not do the trade in order to bring him in. He would like to keep those draft picks. He he pretty much said as much at a news conference a couple of years ago. I don't know if that was feasible, but the mistakes were kind of chasing after that by sending too many picks for Goran Dragic and, and uh, not valuing the draft picks, the draft assets, which all of a sudden have become really, really important in the NBA. Yeah. What I give him credit for this offseason, though, is not compounding those mistakes. Uh, you didn't throw good money after bad, so to speak. So, yeah, he could have attached future assets just to dump some contracts this year, but he decided not to play the patient game, play the waiting game, and let's see what happens next year. I, I do think that 2019 could be a time for them to strike because you do have some really, really good players available that year, yeah. but some moves are going to have to be made. They're still looking like they're in, in, in cat purgatory that year. It, it, his look at this thing is these guys will gain value as this next year goes on. So what good does it do to get rid of them now? And, and, and I get that. And, and look, I know it's easy to say that now with the benefit of hindsight. We all came into this thing saying, oh, it's going to be a, a, a really exciting offseason for the Heat. They're going to be uh, moving and shaking and trying to shed some of these contracts. And I really think Riley felt like he could do that. Then once he got on the market and realized that, man, nobody's really buying. Not as easy as it so seems. Yeah. He, he, didn't, he didn't throw good money after that. I give him credit for that. Now his job's going to get really, really interesting the next couple of years. Our sponsor tonight, Vera Motors. When you spend your hard-earned money on a car, go to a place with a reputation, and I promise you there is no business in the state of Florida with a better reputation than Vera Motors. Vera Cadillac, Buick, GMC, Pembroke Pines. The Vera family has been serving South Florida for 60 years. For the best deal in South Florida, the best service, Vera Cadillac, Buick, GMC. Vera Cadillac, Buick, GMC. 300 South University Drive, three miles north of the stadium, Pembroke Pines. So... We wait for Dwayne Wade. He's on his way back from China uh, as we speak, and so as the pod, if you listen to it during the week. Again, I would expect this week we may get a little more understanding of what happens with Dwayne and what's next. I would hope that, you know, this is the time where he comes back and says, hey, look, you know, I'm, am I going to play again? I think he knows the answer. I don't think Dwayne is going to bed at night going, you know, picking roses. Do I play? Do I not play? <laughs> Do I play? No, I, I think Dwayne knows what's in him. I think he's been working hard. He's training. You see the videos. Aside from having fun, too, he's, as he should be in the offseason, enjoying his family, I think the desire is there for Dwayne to play. I still would be shocked if he doesn't come back to the Heat. But until we hear those words, hey, I'm coming back, Miami, for making another run at this, uh, obviously you can't feel confident as a Heat fan. Uh, switch over to Jorge Moss. Mention he stopped in studio in the big week ahead, for uh, the big week that happened for him is getting this on the ballot. Clay, do you feel better about the potential success of MLS soccer in Miami and what this project and what this team is about now with it on the ballot? Or do you, there's still an uneasiness that this is still got to get through the ballot and what happens if it doesn't? A combo of both. I still have a little uneasiness because I want to see some of these questions answered. I hear over and over again, first tee is going to be fine. We're going to find a home for them. Uh, let's see it. Let's see it. I do trust that if anybody can find a really, really good home, it's Jorge Mas. I do want to see that, that plan put in place before this thing goes on the ballot. With that said, because of how Moss knows this area and and knows how to work this kind of thing and listening to him on, on Twizif to, today, or this past Sunday, I should say, if people listen to this during the week, he gets it. 
I, I think if there's anyone who can see this through, it's him. And he's certainly confident. So listening to him makes me a little bit more confident this thing is going to happen. Um, it's a short amount of time, though. It's a mm-hmm. short amount of time and a lot of questions that need to be answered. I mean, we're we're in late July now. I, I mean, this thing goes on the ballot. Yeah, November's not that far away. No. Yeah, I, I have always thought since Moss came on that he's the right guy on board. Uh, now, granted, this turned more into a land deal than a soccer stadium deal, and I think that's where the hiccup became, you know, where you had the issues with the commission. That's where you had the issues with the with the people in the public saying, hey, wait a minute, you know, this is a billionaire getting a lot of land. Granted, he's going to pay a rent for, and he's going to you know, he's going to pay the the remediation, all the things that are involved in getting this land ready. But it is a big, big space of city-owned property that is now going to have a lot of retail. It's going to be mostly and like 75, 80 percent not soccer, not stadium. So I think that's where the questions come. And I don't say that from a that I wouldn't want it perspective. I say it from man, is this what the city of Miami resident is going to look at and say, I'm not voting for that. And I think that's the concern because I think Moss can make it work. I think it's the right, I think it's a great idea. The vision is there. Uh, The logistic stuff with the money in the city and and not giving money, I think is is the right thing if the city, as long as the city gets it on paper, that they're not going to be on the hook for any of this money. I think it's fine. The question is the city resident has been burned so many times that are they going to sit there and say, I don't care if it's Jorge Mas, who I respect very, very much, or I don't care if it's David Beckham, who's an icon in soccer. I'm not going to vote yes for this. The thing I found interesting, uh, Glenn asked him about this, and I, this is the first time I had heard this. They asked him, why should you guys not have to go through the bidding process? Yeah, which is the big issue, yeah. And he said, well, I mean, it's already been up for bids twice, and nobody bid on it. I didn't realize that, did you? I was not familiar with that, to be honest with you. Um, and and it's interesting, but again, this is the kind of stuff that, that in a deal like this, this is the kind of stuff that always gets lost, is that... It's a it's a he said she said. I think a lot of people wonder, like when Jorge Moss says these things. I think a lot of people in, in are like, okay, is this true? Where's this coming from? Is this just a businessman trying to say all the right things? And I get it. Again, I'm a little biased toward it because I like Jorge Moss. I've known Jorge Moss. I think again, a well respected guy in the community. I think he has the right vision, but I'm also. I could be honest enough to admit, I also know Jorge Moss is a businessman. And businessmen, while they do do things for the community and they do do things for legacy, they do things for business. And this is big business for him, for Claret, for Beckham, for Fuller, for all the people involved. This is a huge, huge deal. I know we have to put David Beckham's name and, and face on our graphic whenever we're talking about this is not David Beckham anymore. David Beckham is is showing up to to what he has to, and and that's not a knock on Beckham at all. This is Jorge Mas's team now. I I, I mean, the more you see this process unfolding, David Beckham is going to be really interesting once I think the team is here, assuming that it goes through. Uh, I I heard, did you happen to see this with uh, the Sporting KC manager the other day Mm -hmm. where he said that he felt like both Ronaldo and Messi would be playing for Miami MLS in a few years together. That's interesting. I did not see that. And and I think that's where Beckham's influence is going to be big with this thing. Right now, though, this is Jorge Mas's show. Oh, as it should be. He's the the brains of the operation because he's got the the understanding of this community and the understanding of money. So he's got two things to understand is the way business deals work and the way this community works. David Beckham doesn't. I mean, David Beckham is is a guy who, again, this isn't a knock on Beckham. It's just the truth. He's a soccer player, a great one, uh, uh, an ambassador to the game, uh, an icon from a a partnership and sponsorship standpoint, but from from an ins and outs of – 
of the deals of politics and the deals of this. It, look, the day that he did speak to the commission the previous week, not this one where I got passed, but the previous one, he went up there and basically just said, hey, everybody, I'm, I'm a father. I love soccer. I love, I'm growing to love this community. I, I want to see soccer here for our kids. And thank you. Like, you know, there was no inside info or detailed plan. That's on Moss. You're right. Uh, November is big because, Clay, if this doesn't pass, I know they keep saying the Overtown site is there as a backup. No one seems to want it there, including Moss has admitted as much. I wonder what happens next. So it's a big, big deal. It's a big step. I think if anybody could do it, Torre Moss. But I, I don't. I can't say I'm 100% sure soccer is going to be okay here in Miami and that this is going to all work out to plan with the, with the stadium built and, and debuting in 2021. We really won't get that until November. I want to see how they answer these questions. And, and I want to see... He knows politicians around here better than anybody. So I, I think he has a pretty good feel for what it's going to take to get the positive message out there. There's going to have to be a lot of negative backlash or a lot of questions asked that he doesn't have the right answer to between now and November, I think, for this thing not to pass. So, um, you know, I, I understand fully well that, that the Marlins deal is kind of led people to be very skeptical about anything uh, along these lines. I do think, though, if you have Jorge Mas, all these city commissioners, the mayor, a uh, number of politicians standing out there, and, and they have ads out there that are saying this is not the Marlins deal. You are not going to pay for this. Mm -hmm. We are promising you this. This is going to be in writing. Um, I, I think that'll that'll get across. Especially with Beckham's coach. name, too. That's where Beckham's yes. name does hold value. I think people, even if you're not a soccer fan, you know who David Beckham is. I mean, and, and I think that's where it holds some value. I do uh, love, by the way, that the, the biggest talking point from Jorge Moss is this is not the Marlins deal. Yeah, that, I mean, <laughs> so, it's crazy. That is, he and, knows. And, he, and he practically told us that when we had him on the show a few weeks ago. Uh, when this went down, he said, he's like, look, that's something I've got to make clear to people. Because I think, unfortunately, because of the Marlins deal everybody's thinking oh public wait public what land money oh no 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 and in a and to his credit he he went in with the commission and he he gave in a lot on some of the things commission wanted and 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 made it to the point where where ken russell and the city commissioners enough by by three two but i mean still enough we're able to say like hey we're going to pass this and we're going to put it on the ballot and i think that's in the end i think it's a fair way to do it like you, you want to put it on the ballot leave the voters there are some that are going to say it was too rushed uh, there are enough details to the plan, and now you're rushing it onto a ballot where people aren't going to have those details in time for November and really understand what they're voting for. I get it. I get both sides, but uh, let's see how this pans out. So that's that, that was the other big story, uh, uh, one of the other big stories of the week. And now, Clay, uh, we got football coming back. That's it. We're going to oh, be talking real wait. football. Can't wait. You know, that's it. The Dolphins, Dolphins report training camp. I mean, the young guys have already reported, but we're going to have practices by the end of the week. And and on the field and talking daily football and, and and you know the canes had the acc media days this week and and mark Richt and the turnover chain back and all that stuff and it, i think from now on this is the part of the year that gets gets fun we know? survived the dead period we made it to the summer we did it. we made it through right. we made it to the dead period of you with uh, as producer we made right. it to dookie lang and his pods and derailing things no more derailing we're gonna find out uh, after i save this thing that you couldn't hear either one of us <laughs> That's going to be, it's you're my we'll sports, record one on an iPhone or something. Sports podcast. Yeah, exactly. So uh, that'll do it for this week's pod. I think we're going to wrap it up on that and know that better times are ahead in South Florida. We're going to talk a lot of football over the next few weeks. We'll, I'm sure we'll be doing a Kane-centric pod. We'll be doing a Dolphin-centric pod. We'll be doing uh, talking a lot about uh, just college football in general. I know that's a big thing for you. And we'll continue to follow the heat offseason. I think you know next week we could be talking Dwayne Wade's return.
that could be the theme of the pod as well. So something to look forward to this week. We appreciate you listening right here to the Miami Sports Podcast. Well, man, so Clay Furrow, Dookie Lang, somewhere vacationing. Thanks for listening.